Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. projected screen and and it says Lord open eyes eyes wide open and and Lord right now I just pray that our eyes would be opened to see on the horizon of all that you are doing all that you're saying all that you're implying Lord I pray people would just be taken out of the box of their own life and they would see Lord the harvest they would see the reason they're on the planet. That, Lord, something would stir on the inside of them. And in that, Lord, they would have total identity in you for the reason of being on this planet at this time. Lord, we see the planet really, just really under a lot of stress. But, Lord, you are coming. We can hear a sound, and that sound is a great visitation of God. And Lord, I believe that there are people hearing this sound, even through this church. And Lord, I just believe that this house will be filled by the end of this year of people responding to the sound of heaven. That is saying, I am coming. I am coming in power. I am coming in wonder. And I am coming in glory. And my people who have been praying turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves, and are seeking Him, I will visit them in Jesus' name. You will be visited. And so, Lord, I just pray that tonight, that this message, that, Lord, that You would speak to us in understanding these seasons of divine visitation and the saints say, Amen. God bless you. You can take a seat. Awesome. Uh, Let's give it up for our podcast listeners and the Darwin people. Yeah, Darwin is alive and well, and uh, they listen, and we got Italy, we got Barcelona, we got, man, all these different nations. We get the report that, because sermon.net, you can download that app on your um, phone, uh, iPad, and such, and, uh, and then they give us a report of who listens, and we got about 60, 70 people on average worldwide listening to our uh, podcast, so we better make sense and Better, better be life-giving. And this morning, I tried to preach this message, and I, I just had to clear the air. It was just a lot of excitement. This morning, actually, was a lot of excitement. Of um, man, I, the Morning meetings are supposed to be family, and, and it is. But this morning, God had His way, and um, Pastor Phil got slightly excited. He was maybe slightly inebriated in the Holy Spirit, and... Um, and in that, because we'd been away and I'd been studying revival all week and reading a couple of great books, for me, I'm still basically trying to work out what happened to us in the 90s, from 93, say 2000, when our family uh, was jettisoned out of a nice, normal life of attending church, and then we became God chasers. And then we became, we, we, we came enlightened, I guess, that we were born for this hour 
and that we could make a difference. And out of that somehow, it was propositioned to us by heaven through prophets everywhere we'd go, prophetic people would pull us out, prophesy over Phil and Julie, and we got the notion in the end that we were to start a church. So starting a church was not our plan. Can I just tell you that? It was not our plan. But God got his way, and that's what happens when you give yourself to him wholeheartedly, and you don't hold anything back from him. Amen? And, uh, and God gets his way, and he can use anyone. He can use you who maybe are not think you can't speak in public or play an instrument or, or, or do things in the church, but you can do those things in Christ who strengthens you, amen? It, it just takes you to step out of your own box, step out of your comfort zone and come into the land of the living, come into the grace zone and be empowered by God to, to be, you know, this John 10, 10, but I have come to give you life, life about halfway. No, life, that's three quarters. We, we probably can afford three quarters for this. No, life to the full. And so once you get that, living on the high octane of the Holy Spirit, and you're pulling, pulling into the gas uh, stations of life, which is your church, and you're going to your prayer meetings, and you're getting more infilling. Man, the prayer meetings are going off. And the connect groups are going off. Why do you go to connect groups? It's to, it's to pull in to the gas station of life and you get filled. There's much more than just hanging out friends. Fellowship means that you're energizing each other. Iron sharpens iron and man, you come alive. You go, wow, that's right, I'm a Christian. This is awesome. Or you just become like a normal citizen of planet Earth if you don't, if you just don't subscribe to these basic premises of prayer, fellowship and coming to church. You become a normal person. And unfortunately, that sort of, um, yeah, that, that sort of way of life, we don't see much happen through uh, people. But I'm telling you, if you keep doing this, if you keep seeking God and having your eyes open, uh, you will do extraordinary things. So this message is called uh, Revival Culture, Preparing for the Next Great Awakening, which I honestly believe we're, we're on the brink of God, and it's already happening. Unfortunately, it's not happening in the Western world as much as it's happening in Africa and, and Asia, Asia, China, and uh, man, they, they're going off there, and there's preachers that only got a torn out piece of Bible, and they're preaching just off that one torn out piece of Bible, and they're having revival and raised from the dead, and we got the whole Bible, and we, we haven't seen anyone raised from the dead yet. We're giving it a go, but... Um, you know what I mean? And so it, it's really about your faith getting the Westerners a bit strung out in faith rather than strung out in, in DVDs and, and, and sports and, and all the rest of that the world offers. And if we can get you strung out in God, wired in God, and we, you will see stuff. You will see stuff. You will hear stuff. And I believe those people are hearing from heaven that God is about to move on this planet and is in fact, he is moving. So I wanna, I wanna just for about 25 minutes share with you maybe some of the reasoning behind revival and give it up for our Silverwater uh, friends at the back. They're here, what, for a year? You're studying up in Newcastle Uni and you've been at C3 um, Silverwater. God bless you guys, it's awesome. Stand up guys, can I ask you to do that? Oh, you got a baby there too? 
Oh, that's so sweet. A little, little boy, little girl. Little girl. Wow. Oh, that is so sweet. Give them uh, all your love, guys. There. Joel 2.15 says, "Blow," and I can't expand on any of these points. I just got to go through it because it's, it's, it's quite meaty, but you'll pick up. I'm sure you'll read bet- between the lines. And it really explain, explains some of the DNA behind this type of church. That we, look, to be honest, Julie and I are revivalists. I, I will say that. We're revivalists. And that's why our statement, mission statement, is live revived. Live revived. Because we believe that is the only way to live as a Christian, live revived. Not backslidden, not dead, not defeated, live revived in God. That will, man, that will, that will, that will enable you to live your life just in a most spectacular way. Joel 2.15, let's do this. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Now these people are realizing things are getting bad, and I don't know about you, but I'm realizing things are getting bad, but let's not go there. We could expand on lots of bad news, but basically things are... The land is becoming war-torn. There's a phrase that used when the land has been blitzkrieg by bombs and military and, and stuff. I just feel that that's happening in, in, on the planet. Do you, do you feel that? Do you feel like even whole nations? Uh, what's the nation we got now under uh, the Russians? And you could, Yeah. I mean, so this is what these people do, and, and, it's, still, and it's happening right now. Joel 2.15 says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. So declare a sound, declare a sound, blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast. We've just finished 21 days of fasting and praying. Call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together all the peoples. 17, let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let the priests, let the ministers, but that's you included, not just us, that you getting on your knees and crying out, Crying out what? Spare your people. See that? Let them say, spare your people. Spare your people, Lord, out there that need God. Our Lord, do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is your God? Do you ever have people around your life that mock your God or don't, you know, they don't honor God, they don't revere your God? That's going to happen. So we believe there's a distinct sound that is telling us that heaven is preparing a wonderful intervention, a wonderful visitation upon this planet, and in fact, it's already happening. And it comes by ways of revival and then hopefully great awakenings when whole regions, when, you know, the Welsh revival, the men men who would cuss their mules in the mines to get them working, and men were, were drinking too much and being locked up, and uh, all of a sudden, the fear of God came upon them. They would fall to their knees, even just walking down the country lane, and they would give their hearts to the Lord. They would lose their bad language. They would stop doing crimes, stop abusing their wives, and, and that was happening in whole regions. In the Welsh revival, New Hebrides, and then the Azusa Street was the same. They called a fire truck in 1906 in the Azusa Street in Los Angeles where a blind, one-eyed William Seymour, a fiery black preacher, prayed heaven down and it visited that place. And, and the, someone called the fire brigade because the fire of God was seen visibly over that shack. It was basically a, a storefront, a wooden storefront, 
someone had called the fire brigade. The fire brigade turned up and they go, what are these people talking about? There's no fire here. But they, someone had saw in the spirit realm that that place was ablaze in God. Can we hear an amen on that? It's real. So revival, great awakening. What does it mean? It's a bit like this, and I like this analogy. It's like two tectonic plates under the earth, and plates are these huge big mantles of earth and rock, and, and, and like what happened with the tsunami and Hades, uh, Haiti, I should say, was that in those two cases, there was two massive tectonic plates under the earth, and they were opposing each other. So can I use a spiritual version now, because when in the physical, that happened, it loosed a tsunami or it loosed earthquake and hundreds of people die, amen, and that's not good. So I'm talking about two pressures coming from either side and something's gotta give. And it happens periodically over a space of time. Can I use that as an illustration what, what happens when the world who is going completely the wrong way, it's living just completely wrong and there's sin and there's just terrible stuff and there's heaven and people trying to pray heaven's will down and that pressure is exerting and then this fallen world and backslidden people and obstinate people, who, who stiff-necked people who just will not, will not respond to God, this starts to happen and all of a sudden there's a shift and God gets his way and maybe a certain region gets God, a church maybe, a region gets God in an undiluted form where he revives those people. Like what happened in the 60s, we had the hippies doing sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But then there was these other people, the Jesus movement people, who we know personally some of those people, including Pastor Phil Pringle, who got saved in 1970 through the Jesus movement. And that was when God came to these hippies that were looking for an alternate lifestyle, wanted to make the planet better, not through sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but now they've had a full-blown encounter with God because when the Spirit of God comes, He convicts you of sin and judgment and righteousness. That's what the Bible says. And these people met with not doctrine. They didn't meet with a, with a, with a, 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 a church. They met with God in the highways, in the byways, as they were just out meeting in paddocks and whatever, they met with God and were supernaturally changed and, in, and impacted by God. And then they had a dream that, that, that God had a better view of life. God had a better plan for the planet. And so they had this God dream, this kingdom dream. Like they were young people. They were like some of the young people that we got here. And they had long hair, colorful clothes, and the church resisted them at first. Say, look, if you cut your hair, and if you have a shower, and if you, you know, stop smoking that green stuff, and you can come in. And they lost a lot of those people. But then there was a church in the 70s called Calvary Chapel who said, come in. Chuck Smith said, come in, come in. And that church grew supernaturally overnight. Thousands of people, especially the hippie, um, born again. Christians that were called the Jesus movement people, they, they just came in and they offered their, their time, their talent, their treasure, and they did great stuff. But after a while, those people, if they didn't really, you know, if they had kids and they got a career and, 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 and then they just started to get comfortable with that and a bit complacent and compromise set in, they went, you know what, 
We don't need to be doing that. Actually, life's not too bad on planet Earth. Uh, uh, let's just do this, the picket fence, the nice house, and let's just behave. Let's join a nice church. Let's join a nice church. Not a radical church. Let's join a nice church so we can just be nice Christians. And, and, and so a lot of those baby boomers that were radically saved, they got sucked into the American dream. And in the 80s, there was a lot of prosperity and people were just ridiculously blessed and jobs were paying incredible amounts and, and, and finances were just so available and, uh, and they lost that kingdom dream to make a difference in their world. And that's what we gotta be careful not to do, that we're born on this planet to make a difference through, through what God has done through us in our life. This, this, this power that we walk through, we walk through whole suburbs, we drive through suburbs with the power of God in us. Woo, look at me, the power of God, woo bad luck to you, yeah. We got the power of God, well, why don't you just pull over and knock on someone's door and just say, hey, God is good. Because you got the power of God in just that one, two, three words could revolutionize their, their life. I'm, I heard a story and um, was at the state conference and a radical young lad and he was on a train and one of these young guys had gotten saved. He was a real crim. Uh, he was traveling and this guy who obviously had an encounter with God and, and he wanted to say something to him, but he just couldn't. He wanted to say, this young guy wanted to say something to this really hardened, you know, 18-year-old. And he just, but the doors opened on the train. And just before he went, he said, Jesus loves you. And he took off out of the train and, and he just ran for it. And the guy just got so mad that he took off after him. He got off at that station and took off after him. He went up the stairs and over the platform and down the stairs and found the guy who was in the phone booth. And he, he ripped open the door to the phone booth and he says, what are you talking about, Jesus loves me? Whoa, I just, 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 Jesus, just, just Jesus loves you, that's all, that's all, that's all. So, uh, yeah, tell me more, but, oh, okay, hang the phone up. Tell me more. Wow. And that guy that was witness to was standing on the, on the, on the platform of the AOG State Conference Speak, telling us ministers, basically it was all ministers, and we were just, oh, we were just struck with, with, oh my God, you know, what are we doing? Stuck in our churches, you know, when there's stories like that, when there's young men like that, just need the simplicity of Jesus loves you. So, 2,000 years ago, this seismic stress built up and Christ was crucified. Heaven and earth, heaven and earth, the pressure and Christ came, he was crucified and that was like an earthquake into eternity. That's why it says in Revelations 13, 8, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So that was the quintessential seismic moment when this supernatural earthquake almost reorientated everything and, and, and just caused the whole planet to be shaken, not only on earth, but in heaven. And I believe it continues to happen, these moments when, I, 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 I guess it happens when these series of ideological, cultural, economic, political, and religious stress points build up. And, and like what's 
what's happening now. It's building up. It's building up heaven and all the people praying heaven down and, and all this fuss down here, all the, all the cultural and all the political and all the stress, the economics. And, the, and, and usually, history tells us that's when God moves. And that's what I wanna tell you right now, that I believe we're on the cusp of God moving on the planet. God is seemingly getting your attention to awaken you to the fact. But in that, we need to pre prepare ourselves for what God is about to do. Uh, Charles Dickens said this, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, it was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the spring, I'll just say that again. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. In short, the period was so far like the present. It's a bit like now, hang on Pastor Phil, we're having a great time, but no, hang on. We know this stuff happening. So it's a little bit of a, a wake up call to the fact there is a lot of tension and a lot of tension that I believe something is gonna shift and I believe God is gonna have his way. I love this, I read this, in the last 100 years there's been more technological development, medical advancement, economic increase, cultural breakthroughs, educational expansions than all the rest of history, but at the same time our moral and spiritual development, especially in the Western world, has remained flat at best and in many cases has fallen dramatically. Spirituality and morality has fallen dramatically. I love this statement, the rise of secular humanism and the subsequent popularity of moral relativism, meaning whatever you reckon, you just do it, has given birth to a generation without a map and without a compass to guide its journey into the future. But history tells us when humanity loses its way by pursuing a self-destructive path, God has been right there to intervene in the course of human events and bring about a phenomenon that is known as revival. And I believe it's starting again in this church. We are being revived to pray, to stand in the gap for the central coast. The central coast for Jesus, remember? We're, we're believing that, we're living by that. So what is revival? Can I just let you know that revival is a powerful word. Just like death is ultimate and final, it's irreversible. Reviving someone as Jesus was revived and resurrected, reviving a person, a church, a nation, that's awesome. That's miraculous. Reviving someone. Man, I, 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 you know our friend who attended the prayer meeting on Friday morning. Uh, that, that's completely out of the box. So this guy's great, he's awesome, but he was out of the church, man. I didn't think he was ever coming back. We know who he is. But there he was. You took a photo in that booth there and you had about nine, 10, I don't know, people who... Ordinarily, yeah, that's right, I know they pray, I know there are no surprises there. What is he doing in the prayer room? What is he even doing in church? He turned up in church four or five weeks ago, recommitted his life to the Lord, and, and now he's going to the prayer meeting? I, I was gonna chuck, chuck those glasses, but, but I shouldn't do that, should I? $200 a hit, no. And, uh, 
I, I just, I'm going, that is revival. Is that a cardboard cutout of him in that photo? Or did you, are you having me on, Garth? Did you really, was he really there? I'm just thinking, God is up to something. Revival is the spiritual resurrection of a person, congregation, region, or nation that it's lost its first love, grown cold to the passion and the purposes that are ablaze in the heart of God. We've just lost the passion and we've lost the compassion and passion for what's in your heart, Lord. I'm sorry. This is just all too much. All these people lost, all these people sick, and all these people just out of sorts. Look, I just can't deal with that. I'm just trying to help my family. Come on, give me a break here. We lose that passion. Happens to all of us. Revival is the rebirth of a consecration and devotion in the lives of those who have grown complacent and have been compromised by a lifestyle that has become encumbered by the cares of the world. I'm sorry, guys, there's no other, word to say, no other way to say this stuff. Revival is the restoration of the power of God to the people of God. I believe we've got a level of power happening in our church. I say it again, revival is the restoration of the power of God back to the people. We used to sing a song and it seems power, power to the people. Hey, Darcy, you remember that one? Power, power to the people, come on. Come on, guys, check it out. Forget it, sorry. That's why every generation gets excited when we look back on these times, we get excited about revival. We get excited and expectant, and that's why, you know, to be honest, we spend ourselves on this stuff. We pray ridiculously, we give ridiculously, because we're banking on the fact that God can intervene upon mankind's situation. I am grieved. <laughs> Guys, I don't know about you, but I'm grieved to be looking at the news these days and the horrendous crimes that have been, I mean, this is not just, you know, just basic. These are crimes of, won't even go there. And, and what can you do? Do you have compassion for people that are uh, uh, doing these things? Do you not read the news and go, my God, what can we do to stop that happening? A young boy being clobbered to death by a cricket bat. Doesn't it, doesn't it move you to pray and go to God's prayer meeting? Let's pray for these dads that are losing it. Let's pray for mums that are stressed out and on drugs and can't bring their children up properly. We must be moved in our hearts. We can't belong to a nice little comfortable church and sing Kumbaya till Jesus comes back. Well, I'm all right. Forget those guys out there. Oh, gee, where's there? Oh, man. Gee, no, I wouldn't hang around those people. Gee, where's? No. No, no we have got to have... Com Jesus looked at the crowds and had compassion on them. Do you have compassion on your neighbor? Oh, this is a huge message, but... 2 Timothy 3, 5 says, Having a form of God in this, but denying its power. We're not, we're not happy to settle for religious, you know, going through the routine. We want the power of God. I want to see Meg healed of that cancer. She's on top of my mind, man. She's on the, you want to know what I'm praying about? To be healed of that cancer. But she hasn't been here for two, three years, Pastor Phil. Why are you caring for us? I don't know. I want to see that woman healed in Jesus' name. She's only come back, only been back here three weeks, but I want to see her healed. 
because it's an injustice. And we declare that cancer illegal to be in her body. See, you've got to get... It's not, oh, I'd like her to be healed, wouldn't you? Gee, that, that'd be good. No, you've got to. We were born for battle. Women are born for battle. Anyone comes at me, you watch what Julie does, man. She... Gone. That serpent is gone, man. <laughs> She's done it many times. But it, it gets back to us being awoken. 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4, 17, for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. For it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Revival happens to us first, and then it gets out and about, and then things begin to, begin to happen. Revival is the personal and corporate encounter with God, which is cumulative and convicting work of the Holy Spirit, reaching fever pitch where somehow we collectively go, you know, Pastor Phil's right. We need to stand for these people who've got cancer. We need to stand for our people that are out there out of sorts. Like two tectonic plates, man, this stuff is building up. There's a dynamic tension, and it's going to result, I know, in revival. I've lived through revival, and it's going to happen. Hebrews 12, 26, at that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. 1227, Hebrews 1227, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. That means Christ in you will remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, that's what we're doing tonight, we're having our eyes open to the kingdom, we're receiving the kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God and the worship this morning, I tell you what, you've got to turn up in the morning service, it's, they're, they're outdoing us at the moment, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, not standing there just dutifully, we're worshiping with reverence and awe, we're pressing towards the Lord and praying that that's sweet devotion to him will do something in the heavens and release this pressure that is building up and release something across the central coast. There's an urgent need for revival. When you look at it and scholars and, and, and historians have checked this stuff out and, and they're starting to realize it's going to come, but how does it begin? What combinations of factors you know, make it happen and how do we benefit from it when it comes? Because we had it and we didn't really benefit from it uh, because we didn't have teams in place. We didn't have structure in place. It came, it was brilliant, I loved it. But at the end of the day, we didn't harness a lot of people. They came in and they went. But now we're ready. C3, we are ready. Bring the harvest in. And many prophetic people are saying, one billion souls are gonna come into the, into the kingdom. We're, we've reached seven billion, seven billion. One billion is not far-fetched because I think three billion are under the age of 30 years of age. One billion is under the age of 25. And look, I know it's all generations, but seemingly young people get saved en masse. They get saved en masse when this stuff happens. And we need to be able to spiritually parent this stuff and be ready for them in Jesus' name. And I did say that, uh, you know, it's already begun. Revival's begun in Asia and uh, Latin America and massive stuff happening there. But sadly, it's lacking in the Western world. And that's unfortunate because 
and I love this, Western culture has been infected by demonic thinking and in, infested by forces that are opposed to God and His good purposes for the planet. Wow, we see this in the fact that many of the images and ideas and movies and music and media within the Western world today promote priorities and passions that enslave people to lives of futility and self-destructive behavior. That's why I like that song by Lord, Royal, whatever it is, because she's, she's just saying, that stuff's ridiculous. Man, I'm with my homies here, and they're awesome. I don't need to be walking around with a big gold chain and my big dogs, you know, and my bling on and yeah, look at me, I've reached the, the, you know, no man, I've just got my sub, sub, suburb friends and we rock. I love that. Is that cool? See, I'm, you didn't know Pastor Phil knew that stuff, did you? Yeah, baby, I'm on to it. Young people everywhere are coming under the spell of a postmodern, post-Christian worldview. You ever been in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a little group of friends where they're, 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 they're speaking down about your God and about your belief in God. They're mocking your God, in fact. And they have a post-Christian, a post-modern view of life. And they speak ill of the supernatural and they say that your God in the sky, your, what is it, pie in the sky stuff, it's ridiculous. Secularists and atheists have disproved him. But do you know what? I can feel him right now. I can feel his spirit right now. See, someone who's had an experience of God is not at the mercy of someone with an argument. I've experienced God. I hope you've experienced God. And once you've experienced him, it's, uh, it's who cares? Who cares for those arguments? <laughs> I believe we're seeing the first fruits. Ezekiel 47.3 says, you know, talks about ankle deep, knee deep, knee deep. I'm not a frog, knee deep, knee deep. No, waist deep, <laughs> Julie taught me that. And, and then you can go full in. But I, I, think, I think C3 Tigra are, are in the river, the Ezekiel 47 river. We're about ankle deep. But if you're in the ocean, if you've got one foot in the ocean, you're in the ocean. You're in it. You're, we're in it. You're in, baby. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. There is more. There's more healing, more deliverance, more salvation. There's got to be more. Psalm 72, verse 19. David said it, and uh, he said his last dying prayer, and I thought this is powerful. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. That's Dave. David's just about to go. I think I'm just about to go. But just one last prayer, one last prayer. May the glory of the Lord cover the earth. Spoke to a woman this morning. I think it's okay to say. She said, my father was a lay preacher. He got up to preach, he was preaching, and he died in front of everyone. I said, you kidding? She said, no, when I was about 13, he got up to preach and tapped up, up, and got and boom. That's a glorious way to go. <laughs> that's, a, that's a glory. <laughs> okay, I've got to give some practical stuff. Would you let me do this for about five minutes? So we've got to prepare for the coming halves. How best can we expect and believe for the coming revival and the great awakening is to live the Jesus culture. The Jesus culture. It is about God seeking that which was lost. Of course it is. And it is about 
Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. I might just skip that, Tim. I'm going to catch up to that in the moment and go through to the um, talk about culture. Culture is what you live by. It's your behavior. It, it's that what you learn and you pass down through your generations. It's all those traits, behavioral, social forms, customary beliefs, and it's what you pass down to your children. And I want to pass down being revived in God. Amen. It's, 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 it's values. It's your values, priorities that you've developed and embraced to support and sustain the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, but in your church. And that's what culture is. That's what Jesus culture is. A lot of those people got saved, as we said, like Pastor Phil uh, Pringle in the Jesus movement. Some let it go for the American dream. Some kept living like Cheyenne, who we, praise God, we had lunch with him and, and got saved in the Deep Purple concert. He was in there, bum, 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 bum. Guy taps him on the back and says, yeah, what's the matter? Bum, 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 Jesus Lord. What are you talking about, Jesus Lord? Come on. And he got saved out of that. And he's an apostle over about 300 churches to this day. Julie and I were invited to a lunch in a very nice hotel. And he told us that story, how he got saved. He was part of the Jesus movement salvation recruitment plan. Some let it go for the American dream. Bigger car, bigger house, bigger this, bigger that. But some kept at it like Pastor Phil Pringle, kept on praying, kept on believing, and then scribbled down on a napkin in Sydney in 19, 1980 with his precious wife. They had nothing, had nothing. Came over from New Zealand after trying to lead a church there and did lead a church for a number of years with 30 people. Did that for a time, then went back to be a postman and then came back, knew he was called to Sydney, Australia, came to 1980, sat down at a, at a cafe and Phil Pringle in his wonderful self, who's an artist, he scribbled down literally the diagram of the church, the $40 million complex they are in right now and said, you know what, we're gonna build a church and it's gonna bring the kingdom and it's gonna recruit leaders and, and laborers for the harvest and it's gonna be awesome. And in fact, executive pastor Garth Ball works for them now four days a week, runs their Bible college down there and stuff like that. It comes from a dream and it comes from a man and a woman living a Jesus culture, preparing a way for a day that live by these convictions of their heart, not selling their life out to the comforts of this life, compromising complacency will put you into an early grave anyhow. Amen. Gee whiz. So in light of that, in light of that, am I, am I doing all right, guys? These are a couple of things, and I've got to do this. Four things that Jesus showed us, basically, how we can prepare for this revival. And this is what Jesus recommended with prayerful consideration for the spiritual harvest. Let's go to, ver let's go to one, point one, Jesus prepared the field. I see people taking notes. Number one is Jesus prepared the field. What's He asking us to do? He's asking us to prepare those hearts that are out there. Matthew 9.35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So Jesus sent those disciples out as well. And He said, go out and, and, and just share the good news. And look, if God turns up powerfully, that's great. But just go out there and plow those tender hearts up. Plow those hearts up. Now, when Jesus got around... It was awesome, you know. The kingdom of God came forcibly and displaced demons and people were healed. 
And maybe that's not gonna happen to us all the time, but we still gotta go out and bear witness and plow those hardened hearts up maybe. And this morning, as I'm preaching, I realized there was two people that I'd run into. One at a party, there was a girl there, Laura. She'd actually came because we, Julie and I had sowed some of the Word of God into her and just allowed her heart to be plowed up a little bit. And then someone waters it and then God makes it grow. Amen. There's Laura. And then I look around and then there's the, the Peter. Peter's in there. He's the great stonemason that I visit. And uh, unsaved, he said, I might come to church. Yeah, I might. Yeah, okay. Well, he's been saying that forever. But there he is because a few words were introduced in my dealings with him. And that's why I say with Facebook, why don't you introduce your lifestyle, your Jesus culture lifestyle on Facebook and say, man, church was awesome. You know, God is great. You don't have to be ridiculous about it and try and uh, preach to them. But you know, they care what you do and they know what you do. But you know, they'll just think it, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans if you don't ever give testimony to it. Well, are you a Christian or, or aren't you a Christian? Help me. Why, why don't I ever hear about you giving praise to God through some means and form and some ways. And I believe Facebook, because it goes global, is a massive tool to reach all your unsaved friends. So please, number one, plow that ground up, prepare the field, because the gospel is going to come to them one way or another. Two, Jesus saw the multitudes, Matthew 9, 36. When He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus didn't merely just look at them in the natural and say, you successful or, or, or you're, you're not or, or are, you, are, you, are you sinful? No, He just loved people. He, did, he looked at them with spiritual eyes. You can look at people, you know that, in the natural and you can, you can actually look at people and go, oh yeah, look at that. Yeah, I know that type. Yeah, that's, that's like the one that hurt me in school and called me names. No, I, I don't like them. I don't like them. No way, no, no. Oh, yeah, I remember a guy like that once. I went out with him. Oh, he was a horrible pig. He was, oh, yeah. No, you got to look with spiritual eyes at people with love, acceptance, forgiveness. And again, show them your best heart, your best love. Have compassion. Put up the, uh, the photo, Tim, if you could, of the Bruce Springsteen, the boss concert we went to the other night. The guy is off the Richter scale, 64 years of age. He puts on the best rock and roll show. But as I'm looking out over that, what do they call it? Hope Estate place, 17,000 people. And I'm looking out over the people. I'm thinking they need Jesus, but they just don't need a rock and roll prophet. <laughs> they need Jesus. Do you have compassion when you look? Do you have, do you have compassion when you look at them? Or you're looking at Bruce Springsteen, aren't you? I'm looking at the boss, man, the boss. Boy, can he play guitar. But um, listen, he's awesome. I love Bruce Springsteen. But I'm looking at those souls. And Jesus said he had compassion for the crowds. Compassion. Three, Jesus called the disciples to the harvest. Matthew 9, 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the, har the workers are few. He didn't say pray for the harvest. He said pray for the workers. Pray for the guys. Are you... Are you you got your eyes open. Listen, sir, go into Thailand. Look for workers. Look for people like my good guys here that can help you build the church. Before you look for all the sheep, look for your workers, the people that can help you pray and help you do what you got to do. That, that's your first task. Find the workers. The, the harvest is plentiful. God said the harvest is huge. But find your workers, buddy. Find your workers because they're the ones that are going to keep you keep happening. Otherwise, you're just going to burn out 
and uh, it's not going to be good. Amen. Is that good counsel to you? Pray for the workers. Pray for our guys that have stepped up and doing great things for God. Pray for them. Pray for them. And pray that they would be, they would understand how to sow seed because there's different weather conditions over every heart and there's different soils in every heart. Just don't go into every person with your same pet stuff, you know, and oh, that worked last time. Well, let me do it again. It, oh, bounced off the ground of their heart and they more or less told you to get lost and who cares about your church? No, look at them. There's a weather pattern over them and their heart represents soil. And you've got to be able to somehow plow that ground up with the tender loving words of friendliness. And then the seed, Andrew Flaxman comes along and he's got the seed, he's got a word and then the seed goes into their hearts and boom. They end up in church. They get saved. Everyone has a unique weather pattern over their life. Four, nearly done. Jesus told his disciples to pray. And I said that four, is that right? Jesus told his disciples to pray for prepared laborers. Matthew 9, 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Five. Jesus empowered and instructed his laborers. Matthew 10, 1, called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go out among the Gentiles or enter towns of Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely have received, freely give. Yes, you will be rejected at times. Yes, it's going to be tough, but continue to go. It's a lifestyle. It's a, li it's a Jesus culture lifestyle to continue to live like this and not shrink back. The harvest is at hand. They're saying there's a billion souls on the brink to be saved. It's going to happen in the Western world. Be prepared. Just as Elijah told Ahab to prepare the rain, prepare for rain, the time of drought is over and the time of harvest is drawing near. 1 Kings 18.43, my last scripture, go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, seven times. Go back to that church, C3. Hear them again. Go back. Oh, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. You're raving about this church. You're raving about this gospel. Oh, I didn't hear it the first time. Go back. Second time. Well, I still didn't hear it. Third time. Oh, I still didn't get it. Fourth time. Still didn't get it. Fifth time. Didn't get it. Sixth time. Didn't get it. Seven times. They turned up at C3 Tugra and something happened. He said, seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. There's a deluge coming, my folks, and it is the Holy Spirit. Let's all stand. God bless you. The harvest is imminent. Revival is coming. It's what I live for. I'm going to pass it down to my generation. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au.
We hope to see you at church soon. Selfless faith to live like Christ for all